0: Hey everybody welcome to episode 12 of the running shorts podcast i'm your host andrew lee the running shorts podcast is by runners for runners we speak with everyone to learn about their running journey um today my guest is sherry yannick who is the founder organizer and race director of the burning man 50k ultra marathon if you don't know what burning man is you're uh you're in for a real treat this conversation um burning man is a temporary city that sprouts in the desert of nevada every fall At the end of August and beginning of September timeframe, individuals attend Burning Man to leave behind the default world and create something very beautiful yet ephemeral. It's called Burning Man because there's a large wooden effigy that is set on fire at the event. Um, And the first event happened back in 1986 in San Francisco, and it was first hosted in Nevada in 1990, or the first man was burned in Nevada in 1990. Um, 2020 was supposed to be the 31st year that the effigy of the man was burned in Black Rock City, uh, but unfortunately, the mass participation event in real life uh, will be held virtually, not in person due to COVID-19. We're going to dig into Sherry's running background, the Burning Man Ultra, uh, and more. So welcome to the show, Sherry.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Um, okay, so let's go into our, our dynamic warm-up. And before we start talking about Burning Man and the 50K and, and um, and things like that. would love to hear um, from you and learn more about you and maybe describe where you're from.
1: Um, I, I grew up in Long Island. I haven't lived there in a long time. I live in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, I'm getting sick of the city, especially um, after being uh, quarantined in a one bedroom apartment with my husband and uh, my 22 month old. So yeah, I love New York, but I like nature more.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, my wife and I are doing the same thing, just, just the two of us, no no child, but being in a one-bedroom apartment is uh, a little cozy for 24-7 uh, indefinitely, um, so I appreciate that. Um, so you've always been in the New York City, or the in the New York, in New York State?
1: Um, yeah, I went to grad school for two years in Boulder, um, so I got my MFA at Naropa University, but then I came back.
0: Got it. Um, And were you athletic growing up? Did you run a lot? Um,
1: I was pretty uncoordinated at all sports. And then in um, maybe eighth grade, my gym teacher asked who wanted to go running with him around the track. And I was the only one who said yes. So during gym class every day, I kept running more and more. And each class I would be like, oh, I ran eight laps. I ran nine laps. And then um, eventually I joined track when I was in eighth grade and I ran the 400 meters and it's my first race and I won it. So um, gone a long way from there. But um, but yeah, I I started running when I was in eighth grade and I've been running since.
0: Do you think that um, you kept running because it was something that you were good at or uh, what do you think kept you coming back to the sport?
1: so when people ask me like why do you run for me it's the time in my life when i feel happiest most free most alive Mm -hmm. like that's the best way i know how to describe it um and you know it's it's my drug of choice i guess you could say um i i love running so much it's the one constant like my whole life Mm -hmm. you know most of my life pretty much
0: yeah um and did you end up running um in college or or how much running uh, did you end up doing after kind of adolescence and growing up in high school di- time
1: so i ran um i ran in college but we were a d3 school so it wasn't like super competitive or anything but it was it did factor into the decision because i almost went to another school that didn't have um any kind of cross country or track mm-hmm. um and then when I graduated, I still kept running. i it was nice when I moved to Boulder just because it's a it's a beautiful place to run, but terrible place if you have asthma. Um I had a lot of issues out there um with the altitude. So um wasn't the best city for me in terms of that. Um, so I think a lot of people who run and have asthma might have similar issues of the altitude being a big factor. Um, but then I then I got into marathons um after I finished um with grad school and Kind of, and then I ended up meeting a friend, um, and after we became friends, she ran ultras. So, kind of connecting with her, and then that's kind of what led me to ultras.
0: Got it. And when is 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 Boulder hard? Just because the elevation and and asthma, it's really hard to just kind of get enough air, or or?
1: it's not that. It's not like super high, like Leadville or anything. So like some people are probably like might roll their eyes at me, but I really had um a hard time out there. Um it's it's only like a little over a mile high. Um it's super dry, but for some reason it just didn't work with my lungs. I was in the hospital, like I went to the emergency room and in an ambulance one time too. So um like after after two years of school, I just, I kind of like you know, I think it's really beautiful out there. I still have some friends in uh, Colorado, um, friends in Leadville, but I just kind of made a decision that I'm not going to race out there, just because I I know that you know I could have some issues, and I don't I don't want to end up on that route.
0: Yeah, I went to um, Denver last fall, and um, I had a ton of trouble with the elevation. I was coming from sea level from New York City, and I went. I remember I went for a four mile run one day, and I just had a horrible headache. I had to lay down and take a nap and I didn't end up running for the next two days after that. It was, it was really challenging.
1: Yeah. People from like, if people from Colorado are listening, they're like, Oh, these East coast, (laughs) but I don't know. I had a, I had a really tough time and I was there for two years. So yeah.
0: Um, So you said um, you got into marathons after grad school. Um, This was because a friend told you? or or... No,
1: no, I I got into marathons. I always kind of wanted to run a marathon. And Mm. then I wanted New York to be my first. So Mm. I kept trying to get him through the lottery. Eventually I got in and then kind of got into running marathons. And then I met a girl. um, It was like in the old days. It was a long time ago um, where I posted an ad on Craigslist seeking female running partner. (laughs) And I got like 10 men sending me messages, but I ended up meeting this girl um, and she became a close friend of mine and she had just run her first ultra marathon right after we became friends. And so that's kind of where she was like my introduction to ultras. Um, so the first race I did was one that she had done. We did it the ne- together the next year. She ran faster than me, but, um, a bunch of us went up and did it. And it's called, it was called like J challenge. It was like 33 miles, but you ran up and down ski mountains through streams. It was like so crazy difficult. Like the hardest thing i ever done. I think it took me like eight, and a half hours, um, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually like the terrain was so hard that it wasn't like I was in last place. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And what year was New York for your first marathon?
1: So I'm not like most running people where like I can tell you like my PRs. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me think, Um, I'm so bad at this. Um, So I moved back to New York in 2003 from Boulder. I think it was the following year, 2004. Uh Yeah. So I'm really bad with like stats of my own. And um, yeah, I'm not like a lot of runners are like very type A and I'm, I'm like a little more disorganized. Do you, um,
0: do, that's, that's, it's so interesting because I think that a lot of runners, like you're, you're right, are very like meticulous about like this date, this time down to the second. Do you think that says something about who you are as a runner that you're not, you know, in, as much into kind of like big city marathons or like the road running scene that you're kind of like you know on the trails and you're more free or or how does that reflect and, and is that is there a deeper insight or maybe I'm just trying to pull a nugget where it doesn't exist
1: um I don't know like I started in marathons and road races and I like never totally found my niche and then like moving into trail running is definitely more my thing where it's like I've literally had people, like, I've been, like, I remember one race, I was having a hard time with my asthma, and I was walking, and this woman was, like, this is me, walk 100k, k, um a number of years ago, and this woman saw me, and she's, like, well, do you want me to walk with you? I'll just walk with you the rest of the way. I'm, like, but there's six miles to the finish. She's, like, I can stay with you, like, that's the culture, I think, of trail running, and ultras, more of, like, people, like, it's more about, like, people and community, um and I don't get that as much in road races and marathons. um Marathons, you get, like, I'm admitted like when I was training I was like I have to qualify for Boston every race has to be a PR but in PR I was like a loser and like horrible you know runner like you know you put all this stuff on yourself and it's totally terrible and I think that's one of the reasons I I got sick of it and my mom I remember saying to me once said like why do you do marathons every time you do a marathon you're miserable because if I didn't PR it was like a failed race even if I ran really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves and and sometimes it takes the fun right out of it.
1: Yeah. I was doing like, I was pretty competitive, like a few years ago, um, especially in like 24 hour races. And mm-hmm. that ended up putting like kind of similar pressure on me where mm-hmm. I remember one race, um, I was second place and it was the 24 hour national championships, mm-hmm. um, the USATF ones. And I, ran 160 miles which is the best I'd ever run but like Mm -hmm. I didn't run 120 miles which was my goal and so I felt like oh my god like like I was such a failure and I I a lot of that's obviously coming from myself nobody said that to me um and so now I'm having it's kind of nice that I mean I'm sad my races in the future have been canceled but it's also like nice like I've been running like an hour and a half every day no pressure just kind of like enjoying it and there's Mm a it's a different feeling
0: yeah, we definitely should not undersell how fast you are as a runner um, because, you know, I looked at ultra sign up at some of your results and uh, I think what I saw is that you run 100 races. Um, that are just on ultra sign up, not to mention like all the other stuff that's somewhere else, whether it's New York Roadrunners or um, unsanctioned or whatever the case is. Um, but then your, your age rank is also like the 82nd percentile. So you're finishing way up there in a lot of these races. Um, so we should definitely make sure that people know that even though maybe you don't take it super seriously, you don't take yourself super seriously, you're still very competitive in a lot of these things.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I feel like I had a baby um, like almost two years ago, and so since then, I've I haven't really been as much in the com- competitive mindset. Um, and it would be it would be interesting to kind of see to like really race a race. So, mm-hmm.
0: do you see yourself, um, you know, trying to get back into a more competitive mindset, or um, do you think that you've kind of grown past that point in your life?
1: I mean, I. Think- I can be a little competitive, but I don't want it to be like where I was running 116 miles and calling myself a failure.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And that is like, that's a really sad example because that was a, a huge race. I ran really well, ran the best I had run, and then I'm calling myself a failure, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. It, it, it does. It's quite incongruent, right? That, I mean, you can run 116 miles in 24 hours. I mean, that is an incredible amount. So um You know, you're based in uh, Greenpoint, Um, New York. When I moved here, I was kind of blown away by how many run crews there are out here. Do you run with run crews? Do you run on your own?
1: So um, I used to be an NBR, North Brooklyn Runners. Like, I think I was like the fourth person to join or something and just kind of faded away. They're very... A lot of my friends in the club just kind of left or moved you know moved other places or whatever and they're very focused on marathons new york runner runner races so i kind of realized i didn't have as much in common with a lot of them um so right now i've been running um, obviously it's like covid right now um i'm taking it pretty seriously i was i was sick um, um from covid my aunt passed away from covid so i have been running by myself um only during this time. But I do have a few friends, a lot of actually a couple of my my good uh, running friends, like one of my favorite running partners moved to Montana. and You know, so I do have a couple of friends here. Um, but it's a, a lot of it's on my own.
0: Yeah, I'm so I'm so sorry to hear about them, um, you know, your aunt passing away. And, you know, at least, uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear about that. And glad that you're recovered, because I'm sure that was a very scary time.
1: Yeah, it's pretty scary. And I think it's also scary, because a lot of runners aren't taking it seriously. And mm. You know, I like just, yeah, I'm having, I'm having some issues now, especially because of like, you know, I think a lot of people, if it hasn't touched them, they don't understand um, the ramifications.
0: Right, right. I think that if you are isolated and you're like, well, I don't, I don't know anybody, then it's, it's hard to empathize a little bit. And so maybe um, there are some challenges there. Um, Do you think that maybe some of your cardiovascular health helped you in terms of responding to the illness?
1: Yeah, my mom said something similar to me. I don't. It's weird because my husband and I both got it, mm-hmm. um, and I got it. Like I was, I was in bed. I was sick for a week and a half, like really mm-hmm. sick. Didn't mm-hmm. run. So like, if I don't run, that means I'm like incredibly sick. Like mm-hmm. usually, if I have a cold, I'm still out there running, or you know, a migraine, I'm still running. Like I'm one of those people. Right. But um, I was also taking lots of herbs, like I'm taking echinacea and elderberry and tulsi and all this stuff to try to boost my immune system. So I don't know if that helped. Um, mm-hmm but it weirdly, it didn't really settle in my lungs. Like it has for a lot of other people. Hmm. So, um, so maybe I'm not sure it, it's kind of, I feel like maybe in another year or two, we'll know more and it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. That'll be interesting. Do you, does, does your, um, husband run? Do you guys run together?
1: So we, we met cause he was in my running club and then he's battled with a bunch of injuries. And so mm-hmm. he probably, um, he doesn't run at, that regularly but then last summer he ended up doing his first ironman with almost no run training and he ran oh i so this is where I'm, i show you i'm not very good at like times and stuff i think it was like 520 or 530 but i think that's really good i think that's oh what God. it's really good if you have barely trained and then you just swam 2.2 miles mm-hmm. and then you biked 112 yeah so i was i was pretty proud of
0: him wow that's amazing and do you are you one of the moms out there that's that's running with a running stroller
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I have to say it's a lot harder, um, to run with a running stroller. So if you see someone and they are like trying to have trouble negotiating it, um, you can stepping out of the way might they would have really appreciate that. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how hard it was to to, to run with a running stroller until I got it. The first time I did it, I like couldn't make it two miles. I was like, I kept having to stop. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. So I have yeah. a lot more admiration for like Michael Wardian and all his records on the running stroller.
0: Yeah, it is uh hard because I mean, you don't get the same kind of like arm motion um, when you're pushing it. And obviously you're pushing, you know, 10, 20, 30 pounds in that thing. and uh, So it's, it's hard to get up the, the bridges here in New York. Um, let's talk uh, a little bit about your your day job before we transition. So what, what do you do for your day job?
1: So right now I'm working as a school librarian. I'm working at home, which is a little mm-hmm. strange, but yeah, that's, I've been a librarian for like 15 years. I was doing a lot of freelance writing and haven't been doing as much recently. But yeah, that's my main thing. And I, I, I was coaching some runners and honestly, like, after I have my daughter, I just don't have as much time to do that. And the same, I was teaching yoga as well, so I was doing a lot of stuff for a while.
0: Mm. Um, do you coach? Uh, where are you a librarian at a school or at a?
1: Yeah, I work at. Um, it's a K to twelve private school.
0: Got it. And so, do you? Do you? Do you coach the like high school teams or the middle school teams? No, well,
1: you know, I like wanted. I thought about it, but it's just this is going to sound terrible. It's just, but it's like a lot of commitment. Yeah. um to do it, and i I remember my coaches gave it their alls, and i would want like I would want to be there giving it everything um and like it's really hard because my daughter is like almost two, and so I want to be with her after work, and also my husband's been in grad school he's almost done like next week, so it's been like you know like a lot of the extra time that it's been it's been like a big time crunch, so yeah. I'd like to do it someday because it's it's so much fun and I have such great memories from high school and college.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations for your husband finishing grad school. It's certainly going to be a, a weird commencement ceremony walking across the yeah. living room, but uh, <laughs> that's still quite the accomplishment. Um, so let's kind of transition and talk uh, in our long, slow distance of this portion of our conversation and would love to just hear more about your journey to Burning Man um, and, and the 50K and, and organizing it. So when did you first attend Burning Man?
1: So I first went in 2008. And I had kind of heard about Burning Man for years. I was a, I was like a big raver and club kid um, in the like late 90s, early, more late 90s. Um, and then in the early 2000s, still would sometimes go out. And I had kind of heard about it. I would go to like a lot of these underground parties. I didn't realize that burners were putting them on. Um, but just like knew I love this kind of scene. And then um, ended up going in 2008. I was supposed to go with a huge group of people. Everyone bailed and i was going to sell my ticket this is like a burning man kind of story and the guy on craigslist responded to my post and he was like i'm so sorry you're not able to go to burning man like can i still buy is your ticket still available and i was like wow this is what burners are like they're sorry i'm not going i decided to go so i ended up going with a a friend of mine who was in love with me which is a terrible idea we're not friends anymore um (laughs) but it was it was great and then i immediately saw like if you go to Burning Man, a lot of people, some people go to Burning Man, and they just take, and they go to the clubs, and they go to the events, and like, that's definitely a way to do it, but the way is really to give back, so my first year, I hosted a librarian cocktail party with another librarian, and that was super fun, but um, I didn't really think about running, I just thought, okay, I'll run out there, you know, and then I ran the 5K, the organizer of the 5K is actually a friend of mine now, uh, Stephen, and I was, I was thinking like, okay, this was really fun, but there needs to be an ultra. So I was running and my, my rule for Burning Man, other than the 5k was just to kind of run and stop whenever anything interesting comes along. So you've been to Burning Man too, you know, like your runs have lots of stuff. So I ended up stopping this one guy was like, Hey, come here. And I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, it's Burning Man. When people say that, you, you never know what you're going to get. Okay. So I ended up talking to this guy. We, we became friends. Um, I actually, when I ran Happily in 100, I stayed at his house. And I was telling him, oh, you know, we're talking about running. And we stayed in touch. And I was saying, you know, I want to put on a, 50, a 50K here. I want to put on an ultra because that's my thing. And Burning Man's about giving back your thing. So, like, if you make perfume, you go and you give out perfume or whatever. If you're great at massage, you go and you give out massages. If you have a microbrewery in your basement, you bring that beer. Like, whatever it is, you bring it. So I kind of talking about, like, having this idea. And so the next year, I was seeing that same friend of mine. We ended up becoming friends and talking and stuff. He, and he was like, Sherry, I'll help you put this on. Like, stop talking about it. And so he kind of was the one who, like, pushed me. He's not involved in the race. Um, really, he helped me that uh, the first few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he was the one kind of like to push me to be like, you know, like it's Burning Man. Do yeah. what your passion is
0: yeah i i do love that that everybody well everybody should when they go there they they try to bring something unique and their own contribution to the society that's up there for you know seven to ten days um so it's really special that you know the first year you were doing you know librarian cocktails and then the and now you've been doing the the burning man 50k which is it's pretty awesome um for people who don't know about Burning Man. because I feel like maybe in New York City, there's a pretty good scene. Uh, I was in the Bay Area before where there's definitely a big scene. Um, how would you describe it for somebody who's never heard of it before or seen pictures of it?
1: Okay. Um, You'd have to go is like the best way to describe it. But I've heard it described as a playground for adults, which I think it definitely is. It's a temporary city built in an area of Nevada where there is nothing, like right now, if we went there, it's a dry lake bed. It's surrounded by mountains, so it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, But everyone builds a city, so everything that is there is brought in. So people bring in places to sleep, people bring in food to eat. Um, It's a gift economy, so the only things that you can buy are coffee and ice. Everything else is Gift, just siren. Um, just give it. It's all um, it's all gift economy of people giving what they love, giving what they what they make, and um, and there are these ten principles that Bernie Man um goes by. I don't have them all in front of me, but I think it makes it different from another event where you go in and the focus is like, oh, I'm going to, I have to buy this ten dollar bottle of water and this fifteen dollar beer. Birdie man you go and I'm like hey you come into my camp right now we're drinking these awesome drinks right now you want to have these margaritas with this flaming hot sauce and you're just like uh that sounds disgusting sure <laughs> you, and you, you do things that you wouldn't normally do like I like well, climb sculptures that seem scary and hop on the back of someone's BMX bike and you know like you you do things that you normally wouldn't do because it's a place to experiment and explore and but also to share. I think for me, that's one of the biggest things is the community and the sharing. And one of the 10 principles is participate, um, no spectators. Mm -hmm. So everyone participates Mm -hmm. and that's the idea. And obviously some people don't follow the rules, but, but the people come and they bring and they share, and that's what makes it so special.
0: Yeah. When my wife and I went in 2015, it was our first time and I, completely agree with you. I think there's like nowhere else on earth that's like it. it. It truly feels like a little bit like Mad Max in the middle of the desert and uh, there's flames everywhere and really weird and cool art. And um, it, it is a really incredible, you know, experience that, that can't be mimicked or, or copied. Um, what I really liked about what you said is that um, you know, it is a place to experiment and explore and share. And I also love the community around it that, you know, in our everyday world, sometimes it can be really hard to meet new people, experiment and try new things. And it's one of those places where it's like, you don't have to feel weird, like going into a random community or group or, or, um, uh, yeah, group out there. I mean, everyone is so sociable. Uh, it's really cool. Um, I have seen some of your writing before and you described it as, um, as the following, you know, for most of the year, there's nothing out there. No people, plants, animals, or bugs, just the playa, which is the, the nickname for, for Black Rock City, a flat dried up lake bed surrounded by mountain ranges and a two-lane country road. The closest town, Gerlach, has a population of 100, but for a week every August, Black Rock City is the fifth most populous city in Nevada with 66,000 inhabitants. Um, and so, I mean, you wrote this, I think, back in 2015. And it's funny, you know, five years later, this is uh, the, a lot of those same things are coming out in, in how you're describing it right now. Um, so you, the first time you went was in 2008. Have you gone every year since?
1: Yeah. And it's funny because the first time I was like, I'm not going to be one of those burners. Those people are crazy. They're lining up at the gate for when it opens. And then of course, sure enough, the next year, I'm driving through the night with my friend. Like we got to get there in the middle of the night. And like, yeah, I haven't skipped it. Cause it, it, I think it means something. Like even when, when I was pregnant with my daughter, my husband was like, well, you can't go to Burning Man. And I was like, why not? Like she was due. She was, she was born on her due date, um, which was June 26th. And he's like, well, She's gonna be too little. And I was like, well, I have to go. I'm putting on the race. I have to go to like it wasn't a question. He was like, he was super nervous and it was Burning Math, such a great place for a baby. Like, provided I'm gonna caveat that with like we sleep in a yurt. I Mm. think it would be really hard in a tent. Um, cause it like unless you have like a super strong tent, but we have a yurt which is pretty climate controlled and sealed from the dust. Um, but everybody wants to like hold your baby and help you out, and it was so great, it was yeah. absolutely great. And this, she had such a good time last year. I, I'm sad she's not going to be there, we're not going this year, you know, because I think she would have even more fun.
0: Yeah, it, um, I, I've, I've seen tons of kids there, and it's really cool because, um, you know, Burning Man can be anything that you want it to be. You can go and explore art, you can run around naked all week, um, you know, whatever the case is. Um, but it's a really, I think, cool way to to just show kids that there's a different way of living um, other than what you see, you know, every, in your everyday life. And, um, you know, I think the only thing you really have to worry about that anybody has to worry about is, is obviously just the dust and the harsh environment. And you want to make sure that, um, you know, they're taken care of and, and things like that. But um so you've gone every year since do you normally go now um early so that you can set up uh, your yurt and set up the course and do all the course marking or what's your what's your kind of like yearly schedule or typical schedule around like labor day weekend when you when you're getting out to the to to Black Rock City
1: So we usually fly out about a week and a half before um before the uh, gate opens and then we usually spend about four or five days in Reno like cleaning camp stuff, um, shopping, organizing, uh, picking up packages. Um, And then we head out to the playa on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then we build our whole camp. Um, My main focus is the race, so I spend, like, most of my time, on honestly, organizing that. So I'll do things like meet with medical personnel um, from ESD to kind of just go over stuff. Um, Mapping the course out, so I usually measure it several times um, just setting stuff up, organizing everything. It's, it's funny because I always feel like I don't help build my camp as much in terms of the actual infrastructure, but it's because I'm building all this stuff for the race. Yeah. And And so you
0: you camp with Pink Lightning, is that right? Yeah. And when did you start camping with Pink Lightning?
1: So, um, okay. So when, when I first did the ultra the first year, it was like, I had a camp with my friend called Twin Bikini and it was just like our little camp of like what we called ourselves you know because a lot of people just you know have like a small camp that's not official or anything and then um I started asking for placement from Burning Man because I needed to get there I like I was getting there early they were giving me early passes so I could measure the course but I realized I actually needed a place so that I could tell people to come and also to like, like for a start and finish, I wanted to be part of the course because I was having it in these other locations. The first two years, the start and finish was at the man. And the second year we were on 10 and L there was a camp out there and we just kind of set up some stuff on the corner over there and like, whatever they just, you know, it's burning man. So you don't really care. It's fine. Um, but so the third year I had asked for placement and, um, we were trying to toss around names. It was just at that point, it was just a couple of friends of mine. And, um, who you know we were camping together and then one of my um one of my old friend's boyfriend um, ex-husbands or whatever he thought of the name pink lightning we were kind of tossing around different ideas um and so that that name kind of stuck And in the beginning it was just like oh we're all friends and oh yeah the ultras here and burning man used to g- gave us placement just for the ultra and then what we started doing is like we kind of wanted to be more than the ultra. So we started becoming to become more focused around the ultra. The ultra is like the biggest part of our camp, but we started having incorporating other events into the camp. So it's not just that. Um, it still is a, a lot of the people are runners in our camp, but some of them are friends of ours who definitely do not run, but everybody in our camp supports the race in some way because that's our big event. So everyone volunteers that day, everyone helps out or they run. Um, so it's, it's nice. Um, I feel like it could be like, sometimes we'll get people that say they want to camp with us and we're definitely open to new campmates. But when people are like super, like, like we have one person that was like, well, I want to be in a sober camp because, um, with runners and we're like, well, we're not actually sober, you know, like we, like when we have like parties, we definitely drink and you know, it's Burning Man. So, and I think that's the thing when you're a Burning Man, you have to kind of be okay with things that you not, that you don't like being around. Mm Right. And obviously like you shouldn't if you want to be in a completely sober camp there are several sober camps that you can mm-hmm. totally join but you know we have we do the beer mile so i don't i wouldn't want someone to camp with us and be really uncomfortable when the right. beer mile is going on um so burning man is a you know i think so anyway so, so pink lightning started around that and we have like a lot more events so i kind of founded pink lightning um we have a couple other like my husband was in it from he he's joined like the second year but mm-hmm. um you know, it's, it's more than just the ultra now. It's like this, more this community. Like when we, when my husband and I got married, we had a table of pink lightning people. And you know, mm-hmm. it's like that, like they're, that's one of the main reasons I'm really sad that Burning Man's not happening. is because I'm not going to see a lot of the people.
0: Yeah. Is, is uh Burning Man maybe the one time a year that you see some of the people in that camp?
1: Yeah. A lot of our friends are in the Bay Area, but also now across the country. So mm-hmm. like last year we ended up doing a bunch of work on the camp and um, Mm -hmm. upgrades and we all met for a weekend in april in reno and that was so great um Mm -hmm. but i don't i mean i have no idea what's (laughs) happening
0: yeah i mean i think that's really one of the, the biggest challenges right now obviously in the in the current health environment is uh obviously the health piece but a little bit of sense of loss around community and being able to gather in the Communal nature of of being in person and the effervescence you get with other people. So, um, what it what is the pink lightning vibe? Is it like is it a a running community or, or or camp or is is running just you know maybe like the unifying thread? But everyone you know, there's a lot of other aspects to it.
1: So, I definitely everyone does not run. I'll mm-hmm. I'll say that. I think we're I would say we're runners who don't take each so don't take ourselves too seriously. You know, and even my friend Matt he's won the ultra at burning man. I don't know if it's once or twice. Matt's really fast, but Matt's the kind of guy like he'll like run the last 10 miles, take his shorts off and he'll stop and take a shot. Like that's the thing I love about Matt. Matt is a super competitive runner. He's having such a great time. And that's kind of like the big, like, I feel like, you know, that's, that's what we're about. And some of us don't run, but they think it's hilarious. They think we're crazy. They make fun of us. Um, Mm you know my friend todd runs but he just makes fun of all runners he's like runners are stupid you're the worst <laughs> and then he's going out for his like third lap of the ultra or whatever you know so yeah. it's yeah. like i mean we have fun we, we put on a bunch of other events we started to bring our own passions. so like todd started a beard grooming spa and one of my campmates made these amazing tarot cards and started doing tarot readings so we we definitely got like a lot of other things like bringing our own passions into the camp
0: Cool, i love it um you know, you said that you, when you first went, you didn't envision going back every year, and this year was going to be, I don't know, year twelve or thirteen. What do you think it is that that keeps drawing you back in? And do you see it as, a, as something indefinitely that you're going to be doing?
1: Um, I mean, I think the whole thing about COVID is that it's taught us all that everything is temporary, and we 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 like to think we know what's going to happen next, and you never do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a lot of like grumbling that burning man might not ever happen again and you know not just this year and that makes that idea makes me super sad um because i love burning man like the community is what draws me back the people and especially the race um like as i said when i found out i was pregnant i was so excited but then you know my husband saying oh you you know you can't we can't go with a seven week old it was totally great Uh, i think she was like six weeks when we got there (laughs) but it was, you know, like the people, like some of these people have like changed my life. Like the race has changed a lot of people's lives. I know people that got into running because of the ultra at Burning Man. And like, I know people who met their partner through the race, just things like that. And so that makes me like, feel like I'm giving back to the community and I want, I want to keep putting on this race. So when I found out Burning Man was canceled, it was stunned. And then, you know, already like okay we're gonna do some sort of virtual race i'm not sure how mm-hmm. it's going to happen yet mm-hmm. um but you know i want to try to it's not going to be the same obviously but try to figure out a way to kind of create community yeah
0: yeah, yeah. i think that you said you know you're you're thinking through uh, ideas of what you can do this year uh, the idea of a virtual 50k virtual beer mile maybe even a virtual naked mile maybe that's like a midnight streak um <laughs>
1: Gonna happen. Uh, my <laughs> friend Todd, he's the one that does the naked mile. Um, but I definitely want to do. I I, I want to do like a virtual beer mile, and I think that would be that would be really fun, and we could do it. Um, we could do it like through Zoom or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, the fifty k, I don't think we'll do. Like with, um nobody's going to have the battery on their phone to run the fifty k with it. You know. But I think I'll, I have I have some ideas. Um, we need to start figuring out stuff soon. I'm kind of waiting honestly on Burning Man for mm. what what virtual Burning Man's going to look like. So when are we going to put Host the Ultra and that mm-hmm. sort of thing? Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, hopefully, I, I'm hoping things look a lot better in the world and that people can either gather where they are. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we're still on lockdown in New York and we have no idea when we're going to get out. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I think like, we'll we'll, I, we'll be figuring, I think probably in the next month or so, a lot of that will be figured out.
0: Yeah. So when I was there in 2015, I did not run the ultra marathon. I was a little bit too afraid of the idea of being out there for hours and hours, but my wife and I, we did run the 5k. So, you know, just 10 10 times more uh, in terms of what we did not do of of the 50k. Um, But I definitely remember seeing it and thinking to myself, oh my God, like that's, Pretty insane. Like I, I would want to go back and, and do that. So, um, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, the next time the the live event uh, in person happens, hopefully in twenty twenty one, uh, you know, I'll be out there running too. Um, so when you think about uh the logistics of putting it on, I mean, Burning Man, one of the principles that we talked about, um, is radical self reliance, and so how much handholding are you doing to make sure that people are safe out there and, you know, uh, in terms of your organization of, of the race?
1: So this has been kind of a big concern of mine. So we've had some issues um, over the past few years with people getting dehydrated, Mm -hmm. um, people going to medical for IVs after the race, like you get really dehydrated. Um, I've only if you have an IV, it makes you feel amazing when you're dehydrated. And you know, a lot of us at Burning Man are dehydrated, even if you don't run a 50k. So we had some people who were taking advantage of that. Also people weren't running with water and a couple of people got really sick. So um, I realized that the future of the race could be in danger if we, if this is like a pattern of multiple people going to ask for IVs. Oh, I ran the ultra, I'm dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Um, And I get that sometimes you definitely need that like that's totally valid um i think people even people who are taking care of themselves sometimes don't you know still need some help but people who were refusing to run with a handheld water bottle or a backpack so i made a rule a few years ago that you have to run with some water it's the one thing i've gotten in arguments with people about it um because a lot of people don't want to run with it it's really annoying to run with a water bottle if you're not used to it Uh, you know you get as an ultra runner you kind of get used to it so but some people who are new to ultras or who wanna be really competitive, um, especially if you're really fast, it might not make as much sense. Oh, I'm gonna be done by 8 a.m. or mm-hmm. you, know, eight thir- you know, or 9 a.m., Like, why do mm-hmm. I need to carry water? It's not that hot then. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, we need to have this rule because everyone needs to do it. We all need to kind of respect the same rule. I think that's, that's one thing that I've had a big challenge on kind of encouraging people. The way the race is set up, Burning Man, as I said, doesn't cost anything. So I ask people, um, we do collect donations and the donations go to, um, medals, numbers, t-shirts, things like that. Um, they're totally optional and people do that ahead of time. So it's not like you have to like give money to sign up to run or anything, but, um, but I'd say everyone's race fee, quote unquote, is you bring a gallon of water and a running snack to share. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, most people are totally generous and great with that, but we had a few year um, a few years ago, it was super hot and not everyone brought water. And we ended up running out of water because if it, if it's really hot, a lot of people are going to end up drinking more, especially if you're you know kind of running later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like this is what the Burning Man community is about. I got up and I made an announcement. Hey, I'm dipping into my camp's water supply. They're not happy about this. Does anyone have extra water that they can gift me? Mm-hmm. And I had a couple people gift water to our camp so we were fine and that's what that's like kind of like an example of how burning man works okay somebody messed up and didn't bring water mm-hmm. we're in trouble somebody's gonna help and that's i think that's a really beautiful thing and it's just shows the community of burning man
0: yeah i love that i uh you know i i agree i think that sometimes people can kind of just be focused on themselves and not think about how their actions impact others and, and it's such a austere environment like you know Black Rock City where I remember you know we were rubbing coconut oil on our hands every night because our skin was just cracking and it felt like we were kind of like falling apart from the outside in um, but you you definitely have to you know make sure that you take care of yourself and you take care of your community and, and um, so that makes sense as well. Um, do you call the event a race? Is it, do you, is it a race?
1: Yeah it's definitely a race you know it's it's whatever you want. I think for some people, it's a huge challenge. Some people start running to do it. Um, But I think the folk I don't want the focus to be on just like who won. I think it should be on like, so we do placement awards, but then one of the things my Um one of the runners, um, Darren, he is from Vancouver, really nice guy. He makes the placement awards every year. So then I started kind of being like, okay, can we have like awards that aren't just one, two, three? He does top Mm ten. I said, Can you have some other ones? So he does fasted naked runner and Mm -hmm. most likely eat um most likely to eat a burrito while running and you know, sexiest runner and like other like total some really silly things, um, like that, which I think like that's kind of the spirit of the race. And You know, even if you're, even if this is really hard for you, or even if if you're competitive, I want, I want people to get more out of it than like, oh, I ran this race in four thirteen forty six. You you know, it's like, it's not just about your time. It's about the experience. Like, I feel like the first lap, we start at five a.m., so it's totally dark, Mm -hmm. and so you see the lights. And for those who haven't been to Burning Man, like you know, Burning Man is full of like amazing lights. People are wearing crazy costumes. Their bikes are covered with lights because there aren't streetlights out there, right? So we light ourselves up with like all sorts of cool lights, L wire yep. and everything else. And then the second lap, the sun is starting to come up and mm-hmm. it's, there are some epic sunrises out from the trash fence. So you're mm-hmm. running past them and it like gives you chills. So how gorgeous it is. And then the third lap people have gone to bed, it's starting to get quiet. And that is, that's what I call the hard lap. Like that's mm-hmm. where I struggle every year. And then the fourth lap, it's starting to get hot, but people are waking up mm-hmm. and people, and then people know about the ultra. They've, start, they've been like learning about the ultra for years. So people are like, Hey, it's those ultra runners. Mm-hmm. And then you do a little out and back and you're done. So it's like the out and back, is like, you're so excited to be done. So thinking about it in terms of like, something like that. Like, Oh my God, I can't wait to see the sunrise. You know, like that instead of being like, okay, I have 7.2 miles to go. Like some people wear headphones and I feel like if you're wearing headphones at the Burning Man Ultra, you're missing out on so much. You're missing out on someone shouting to you that they have free shots of moonshine or vodka or like the, there was a stand of like fresh coconut water from coconuts and someone making hot dogs and a martini mile. And like, this is like, it's such a place to really be present because it's it's an experience
0: yes you said so much in that uh, you know section right there that that makes me so nostalgic for the experience because you know you it is completely pitch black in the middle of the night you're in the desert there there are no street lights and you see the most amazing stars and you also see like the incredible like um led lights from different camps and and art cars and things like that um so it is incredible at that point at that point and then when you do get to sunrise and uh, a lot of people you know they stay up all night and they're they're dancing and um you know they're waiting for the sun to rise and they're howling at the sun when it just crests over the horizon which is kind of like a magical very primal moment um and then what you're talking about lap three when it's like people are going to sleep um, because they've been up all night and they're just going to get a, a few uh, winks before, you know, things start up again for the day. Um, you know, it's all, it's all very uh, incredible. It's, you know, one of a kind. Um, who has run the most Burning Man ultras? Is that you? Um,
1: I don't know. So it's funny because for the longest time we were counting, there were a couple of us who had run every year, but then Kathy skipped a year. So last year I, not the last year, the year before, um, I just had my daughter and I didn't think I was breastfeeding like every two hours. I was like, like, usually I run the race. And then I, I thought I can't run the race and put on you know, and actually direct the race. Cause I'll end up, I'm going to have to take breastfeeding breaks. It's going to mm-hmm. take me like 14 hours. So the next, the day after the race, I was like, I want to run the fifty k. So I did my own fifty k the next day. So not as part of the regular race. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think me and Kathy have both run it um, the most times, the same amount because we we each kind of skipped a year. Yeah. Um. It was it was a different experience to do it the day after the race. Um. But I still got um, you know, I had a apparel spritz in the middle of the race, and I had a stranger put um sunblock on my sunburned butt, and you know, that was <laughs> it was that kind of experience <laughs> of like. Yeah, it
0: was fun. What was the most challenging scenario that you've had with the race in terms of weather, in terms of something, you know, a a participant, uh, any like horror stories? Mm,
1: So I had some participant stories I can't share about, (laughs) but um, I guess... We've had a couple dusty years. It's never so if you you've been to Burning Man before, like dust storms usually don't happen around dawn. I've been in I've been in some, but they're they're not the norm. I'd say like more common would be later in the day or at dusk. Mm-hmm. dusk seems to be a time and so actually when I decided the time to have the ultra the reason I picked 5 a I thought a lot about 5 a.m and I consulted with a lot of different people so that's why I do it at that time um we have definitely had some pretty bad dust storms um but it was like later in the day like probably starting around like nine thirty or 10 a.m so a lot of runners were finishing up or going out for their last loops and I remember I was running on Esplanade, and I literally had no idea what street, it, like, I was, mm. by, because I just mm. couldn't see anything, it was just, like, I mean, if you've never been a dust that that's what it's like, it's, like, totally crazy, and then, I guess, in terms of participants, so, my friend Todd and I, he's a, he's my campmate, we kind of bonded over, like, runners are the worst, like, sometimes runners can be so mean, and so, it's kind of crazy, because the Burning Man Ultra is, like, a free event, I spend tons of time organizing it, um, you know, like, I don't get paid for this. I love it. I do it. Cause I love it. That's why I do it. And I've had people like be really mean to me. So I was kind of like telling him about, you know, I can't believe runners do this. And he was working for a running clothes company and he's like, yeah, runners are the worst. He's like, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to make um, a dickhead award. <laughs> so he took um, like a toilet brush and he spray painted it gold and he put like dickhead award on it. And, um, and, uh, So I was like, okay, so we had it on the table where people register for the race. And I was like, I I wasn't gonna give it out to anybody. And so one year this guy came and gave me a really hard time. So I let runners pick their own numbers and he got in an argument with me about the number he got. It's so ridiculous. And he made things so complicated for me. Literally, he made me cry and I was crying. And so after he left, like, then I was the only one on my camp. I ended up, like, all these other people were, like, waiting in line. And this guy is, like, throwing this big fit. And I was, like, so upset because I was, like, I can't believe, like, you know, this guy, like, I'm giving all this. And he's being so mean to me. So I told Todd about it. And Todd was like, we're, you know, pointing him out to me the day of the race. So I pointed him out the day of the race and Todd went up to him after he finished. He was like, congratulations. The guy was like, what? He's like, you won. And he's like, what? He's like, you won the dickhead award. And he gave him the toilet brush. And he's like, you can't run the ultra again until you clean one of the porta potties with this brush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was like, what are you talking about? And Todd's like, you made the race director cry. If you make the race director cry, this is what you win. Uh, so we never held up on our end of the bargain. Um, but
0: <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, those Porta Johns. I mean, you put sixty thousand people through through Porta Johns in the you know desert sun for a week, and they, it's not a pretty sight there or, or smell. So that that's hilarious. Um, you know, you're 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 very right though that you know runners can sometimes be so entitled, and you realize that hey, like this is an event in the middle of nowhere. Like this isn't supposed to be like the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon with the logistics. Um, and, you know, nobody's going to be, uh, you know, I don't know, holding your hand through this um, in, in such a way like it, it is very much like a, a primal experience. And so uh, you kind of you have to roll with it. It's not meant to be like a perfectly polished event. So.
1: I mean, it's the radical self-reliance thing, too, is, like, a lot of people have complained to me, like, oh, one year I got complaints, you had too many gels. The next year, someone was like, you don't have enough gels. So, now what I tell people is, I'm like, listen, you bring what you need for your race. So, like, you can leave, we have drop bag areas, you can leave the kitchen sink, I don't care, you leave the stuff for you, and mm-hmm. then everyone gives a, a snack to the aid station. Mm-hmm. So, if we don't have enough gels, well, you know what, You're, you should have your six gels or however many you need on the side, or in your, your little fanny pack, or whatever it is, like, and then, like, it should be on you. Like, we all have to take care of ourselves, the basics. But if you need help beyond that, like, that's what, that's what everyone's here for. Like, you know, I tell people, like, like, medical stuff. Medical staff are there to kind of, like, help us if, like, something really bad goes wrong. But we should all have Band-Aids and things like that.
0: Yeah. So the race, the first year, I believe that there were around 30, uh, high 30s numbers of starters. And I think it's gotten as big as maybe, like, the low 200s now over the last decade. Do you have aspirations of making it bigger or is it just whatever happens happens
1: I don't I mean I don't really have a strong desire to make it bigger if it naturally grows that's awesome but um you know I think so I've had people come and tell me like oh you should do a 50 miler or 100 miler burning mat and I'm like no I don't want to do that because I want to have a burn too like it this is a lot of work to for me and um I used to have the race on Wednesday, which meant I literally didn't get to start to like enjoying and relaxing mm. the Burning Man until Thursday. So now I moved it earlier. That, and there's another there are other reasons too. Um, people tend to get more messed up later in the week. So I, I figured it would be like better for like dehydration and other issues. Um, but one of the reasons I'm nervous about if I put on a 50 miler, like burning man, we get a lot of people in the ultra who sign up, who are like, they finish and they're like crusted with salt and like people who have not been able to walk back to their camp who have to have someone drive them, you know, like bad, they get in bad states and I don't want people. And I feel like if I opened up in a 50 miler, we would end up in those situations. Um, and I just don't want to jeopardize the race. I don't want to, I don't I mean, that could also even jeopardize burning man if like multiple people are having serious issues Mm -hmm. um so I you know I don't want to I don't want it to be I don't want like I don't try to encourage like people who have like zero training to run but like I have friends who are not my friends actually um because I was like hey you you run a half marathon come on in you know like Mm -hmm. people who are like oh I just want to run a half I'm like no 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 you have to run the full thing and Mm -hmm. like people who like cried at the finish line because they didn't think they could do it and that's one of the things I love about keeping it open to them but um you know I think Bernie man I think the ultras naturally growing a little bit more each year like mm-hmm. for a long time people didn't know what was going on and I remember I knew uh we made it as a race when one year I was running and somebody said what are they doing are they running a marathon and another person said no it's an ultra marathon and I was like oh my god they even know the vocabulary like that that was like amazing. It made
0: me want to cry. I love it. Yeah, it. Um, you know, an ultra marathon is is extreme enough, especially when you combine it with the weather and the environment and and just the austerity of the entire event. Um, and it feels like if someone's looking for a Burning Man fifty miler, then you know maybe they just keep running and do another lap if they're if they're fast enough or whatever the case is.
1: I had a friend, um, one of my campmates, that one year he he started running at midnight. And he did, or maybe it was 10 p.m., and he finished right before the 5 a.m. start, and then mm-hmm. he ran another 50k. Oh, wow! And he was, you know, he was incredibly well trained and talented runner. Um, he was pretty exhausted after, but you mm-hmm. know,
0: yeah. Do you have any aspirations to organize races in New York or in, in the default world?
1: I've done like a couple of fat asses. Um, the problem with organizing races in the default world is you have to worry about insurance and things like that. Um, I think I also, one of the reasons I like doing the races at Burning Man and putting on those races is that it's, that's like my community of burners. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I love about it. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather do it there than, you know, here.
0: Right. Um, so let's transition to kind of like the fart, like, uh, just a fun little word association piece. Um, what is your playa name? Cherry bomb. Cherry bomb. Um, and what's your husband's? Warrior. Warrior. Got it. Did you give your daughter one?
1: Um, oh, um, her play name's Shuno.
0: What is Shuno? Shoe
1: like shoes. Like on oh. your feet, no. She, she has this thing where she, especially her left shoe, but she takes off shoes and she was running around Burning Man barefoot the whole time. So they called her Shuno.
0: <laughs> I love it. Um, what would you be doing in, in life if you didn't have the constraints of the default world?
1: Maybe living at an ashram in India, studying bhakti yoga and writing and, yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, what is your favorite place to run?
1: Ooh, um, Black Rock City. <laughs> 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 um, but if you had to say outside of that, I would probably say um, the Vermont 100 I do every year. It's so gorgeous. Like, like it's a place I usually don't run with my phone or my camera but it's a good place to run with a camera because it's so beautiful
0: mm. which part of vermont is this in
1: it's um like kind of more i think it's more south it's by um brownsville Scutney, kind of over there
0: Got it. i guess vermont's not a very big state so <laughs> you're probably running through most of it within 100 miles <laughs> um
1: Clover shape,
0: so. yeah uh would you say that's your favorite race too
1: um obviously the burning man ultra is my favorite race but i'd say for hundreds that or tgmi the great new york hundred miler which was um you're new to new york you might not know it you need to get involved with it next year um even if you're just pacing or volunteering but it's um a hundred miler kind of like un um unpermitted around new york city and they kind of like embody some of the spirits of the of burning man um and the ultra there um but it's it's such a fun race of like everyone like you know, all the local ultra runners, if they're not running, they're pacing or they're like volunteering at an aid station and people giving you shots like at the aid station. It's so much fun.
0: Love it. When racing, maybe either now or back in your more competitive uh days, would you rather win the race or run a personal record?
1: Mm, that's a tough one. Mm, I don't know. I can't I can't <laughs> say. It's hard.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to choose between the two. Um, okay, so my guest today has been Sherry Yannick, uh, just incredible person organizing an incredible event and in a really incredible place. Uh, getting you know to talk with you during this this time really made me very nostalgic for the event and, and a little bit sad that it's not going to happen in real life this year. But um, you know, it'll be back again and people have a lot of time to plan if they uh, want to research more about Black Rock City and Burning Man and and getting involved. Um, You can find Sherry online at burningman50k.com or cherylyanek.com. That's C-H-E-R-Y-L-Y-A-N-E-K. And if you look on Facebook, you can also find her at Burner Runners if you search for it. Uh, So Sherry, thanks for spending time with me today.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much.